You're listening to Campus Review Radio. This is Carl Treacher, and I'm joined by Martin Betts. We're the founders of HEDEX, and our podcast explores the changing landscape of the higher education sector in association with Campus Review. Welcome to the Higher Education Experience. On this episode of HEDEX, Martin checks in with another industry leader, and we talk about the current big news of the sector. Martin, welcome. Thanks, Carl. It's um, been a fascinating week this last week, and some really big issues that the sector's um, grappling with in terms of some of its senior appointments. And we've got a very interesting guest from the Sunshine Coast joining us this week. Tell us about her. Oh, okay. So Helen Bartlett's the the President and Vice-Chancellor of the University of the Sunshine Coast. She's been in that role for coming up to eight months now. Um, she's come to, to Queensland or come back to Queensland after a, a significant period of time in Victoria, most recently as the um, Vice-Chancellor of Federation University. So um, another opportunity for us to, to tune into what the views are of a new leader in the sector who's joined a university during the actual pandemic itself and some interesting things that we can hear from her. And given we've recently interviewed Duncan Bentley from Federation, who's the new vice chancellor there, it'd be fascinated to see uh, what Helen has to say in terms of her experience and her view and her strategy. Yeah, well, I, th- I think it's probably not going too far to say that Helen's probably been seen as a bit of a champion of the regional universities in the last little while, um, now having her second experience of a major university on that genre. And she also led the Regional Universities Network advocacy group in some of its relationships with government at a very critical time, as we've seen. But uh, it's a very different setting for her at um, Sippy Downs and in the Sunshine Coast of Queensland. Um, And fascinating times for us to be talking with her, with the news coming out just last week of a dramatic, in many senses, appointment to to be the Vice-Chancellor of our oldest university, Mark Scott from the Department of Education of New South Wales Public Service, and before that, the Managing Director of the ABC at a time when it went through its biggest disruption to face the the challenges of a digital world, and at a time when government was really putting a lot of pressure on the ABC as a public broadcaster. So declining funding, digital disruption, Mark's been there with the ABC, and all of our universities are now having to be there with leading universities post the pandemic, I think. Talk about resilience. And, and the council appointing Mark, I mean, you're going to have a great depth of insight and understanding as to why they would have would have done that. From, from my perspective, uh, we're seeing a variety of different types of leaders being appointed based on the current climate for their industry and, and broader business in general. And you know, resilience and entrepreneurial mindset and thinking differently uh, are some of the things that that really are very appealing at the moment to companies that are heading into new environments and and new opportunities that they're not used to facing. Well, I think there's that at play in the higher education sector like there is in the business sector that you're you're describing. I think there's an additional factor at play in in higher education in that um, maybe this is partly the explanation of of Mark's appointment from a public sector background and the ABC advocacy with government. I think there's many in the sector, that, and indeed this has been a, a, a bit of an area where there's been a few cracks developed between governing bodies and chancellors and councils and, and leadership through vice chancellors and their executive teams, both in individual universities but in the sector as a whole, of have we built strong enough 
relationships between our university sector and government. We've probably never had such a hostile um, federal government view towards the sector. Never have we had perhaps such a, a, a lack of sympathy for the sector from the public, which came to a fore at the time when cases were being made for special treatment in the or even equal treatment in the in the help that sectors were getting out of the pandemic. And I think to, to follow the normal trend of appointing someone who's a, you know, a stalwart and a scholar of the sector with a research track record and instead choose somebody that's got a reputation for government, government relationships in one sense, but also leading dis digital disruption is quite a departure from the past. Yeah, for sure. Look, in terms of departures, just to segue back to our guest, uh, I know personally moving from um, Melbourne interstate uh, or Victoria interstate anywhere is somewhat of a challenge. But to go from Victoria to Queensland, I mean, you go from Melbourne to Noosa for a holiday and you're in culture shock for five days. So um, how did Helen deal with that shift? Well, um, yeah, I mean, it's uh, we've been observing on recent episodes of Headex, of course, haven't we, that... Um, there's the tree shift and the sea change that um, the tree change and the sea change that we observe across the nation and the move from capital cities has been favouring. There's been winners and losers in that. I think the Sunshine Coast has been widely seen as a as a winner in Queensland and nationally. So, the the University of the Sunshine Coast is one of our newest universities. It's it's a place where its local population is incredibly proud and supportive of it. It's one of its fa the fastest growing universities in Australia because of fast-growing population there. And so it, there's been momentum for growth in the University of the Sunshine Coast for a little while that the episodes of the last 18 months have only really fueled further. Mm, and I imagine the council there must see real um, strength in, in Helen to capitalise on this opportunity. I mean, the, from our insights in terms of the growth in the area being population growth and also business interest, it's at an all-time high. So the impact and the responsibility of the university that goes hand-in-hand in hand with that, um, it's, it's unprecedented. So for the council to select Helen uh, to really you know, steer the ship through that is a real testament to her ability. Well, as I said before, I think she is regarded as a bit of a champion of the regions. This is a university that sees itself very proudly as a regional university. I don't think Mark Scott would have fitted with the University of the Sunshine Coast, um, whether someone of Helen Bartlett's background is the sort of person that's been appointed to lead many of our universities in the past. Um, but I think there's a change happening in terms of where our leaders are coming from. And uh, just recently at the weekend, we, we put a, a poll out on LinkedIn of what people thought about the, the Mark Scott appointment, whether they saw that as evidence of disruption happening in our universities. Couldn't believe how much interest there was. We had thousands of views of a, a poll on LinkedIn a period over a weekend just soon after Mark Scott's appointment was announced. A lot of interest out there in what's going on. Hmm, and perhaps we can talk about the findings of that poll um, after this interview. Let's listen to Helen, shall we? Let's do it. Our guest today on HEDEX is Helen Bartlett, the Vice-Chancellor and President of the University of the Sunshine Coast. Um, before coming into that role, Helen led Federation University in Victoria and has recently led the Regional Universities Network Group and its relationships with government at a really critically important time for the sector as a whole. H Helen, welcome to HEDEX. Thank you, Martin. It's a pleasure. Helen, I wonder if I can start by asking you, as one of a number of our guests on HEDEX in the last few months, who I've posed a similar question to, of... 
that you're one of a number of new vice chancellors who came into the role during the pandemic period and often during lockdown. Um, and I've, I've been interested in whether you think that is a, a, a position of advantage or disadvantage to be joining when one might argue that there's a burning platform as of, of, for change with the financial and operational concerns that we've seen. Well, what's your experience been taking up the reins at USC and returning to Queensland in 2020 about whether that's been advantageous timing? Well, interestingly, it was uh, mid-August when I took up my position, having had a very interesting journey um, from Victoria to Queensland um, amid closing borders and all the rest of it. So um, I, I believe that by the time I got here, um, the university had got over that initial shock. They had transferred all the teaching online. Um, they had already, uh, you know, been working on the budget adjustments and, um, and, and so on. And, and in a sense, they were starting to already think about, um, you know, what the rest of the year would look like, particularly with the gradual return of students. So, you know, I, I left a very different uh, situation in Victoria, which was still in lockdown. So it was like coming to a different country, to be honest, um, where, where there was no community transmission and um, where, you know, there was a very casual um, uh, approach to everything which uh, contrasted greatly with uh, what was happening in Victoria. Do, do you think there's been a change in the sort of dynamic of the competitive landscape between states that has arisen with the transition that you've so personally in, uh, observed? how much more closely VCs are working together. So the state-based um, committees of vice chancellors were perhaps, you know, more casual um, and irregular in the past. But with COVID, uh, VCs have been meeting frequently. They've been uh, trying to tackle the problems together and generate, um, you know, shared solutions, particularly around international students and the sorts of uh, strategies that, um, you know, we've been wanting to adopt um, in, in the respective states. So I think that's been a change and it's it's been very good, actually, very collaborative. I've, I, as a former Deputy Vice-Chancellor in a Queensland University myself, I was always taken with how collaborative um, things were. I also had the experience at Griffith of working on a major sponsorship and partnership with the 2018 Gold Coast Commonwealth Games. Now, You've landed in Queensland at a very exciting time for Southeast Queensland with uh, the prospect of a Brisbane or Southeast Queensland Olympics just over 10 years away. Do you, do you think we'll have a team Queensland vice chancellor's approach to that? And do you see that opening up opportunities for universities in this part of the world? Very definitely. And, and for USC, obviously, we have um, a very close relationship with a number of our councils, um, local local government uh, councils, and and they of course uh, were particularly involved in uh, all the preparations for um, the proposal to um, put forward Queensland for the next Olympics. So um, that relationship and and uh, around you know uh, what part we could play. Um, has already, you know, started, and I think we'll definitely have opportunities there. You know, our campus um, on um, Sunshine Coast 
has amazing sporting facilities and we have high performance uh, sporting teams. Uh, we are part owner of a netball club. Um, so that is very much, um, you know, one of our areas of, uh, you know, of strength. So we would certainly be um, looking to partner with um, everybody in, in making Queensland as attractive as possible and contributing, you know, where we can, you know, some of our amazing resources and infrastructure. So I, I, I don't imagine the 2032 is the time horizon that's been highest in your mind in the last um, six to eight months or so since joining Sunshine Coast. Um, I, I wonder if you could share with us where you're up to in both the business continuity and budget recovery that every university has had to deal with over the time that you've been at, at the Sunshine Coast and where you're also up to with developing a strategy that takes us beyond the current year and towards that 2032 period. Where, where, where are you currently up to? So um, in, in terms of our, you know, budget and, and uh, recovery and business continuity, um, an awful lot of, of work has been done uh, to look at our business efficiency, as every university has been doing. Um, I guess, you know, in, in one respect, we've been quite lucky not to be so uh, exposed uh, to the international market around uh, 12 to 15% of our students are international or were international. Um, so that's, you know, a lot, a lot lower than many other universities. So um, we've not been hit as hard, but it's still significant for, you know, a relatively small university. Um, but we've had to um, look at the whole raft of, um, uh, of initiatives to um, you know reduce expenditure to we've done some restructuring of our academic um, workforce um, we've uh, restructured the faculties and schools into we, we actually um, uh, now have just a very flat structure of six schools no faculties um, so that sort of reduced the layers of bureaucracy as uh, if you will um, we've rethought a lot of our infrastructure projects, um, which actually is timely anyway um, in this environment. You know, we've had to uh, reimagine what our campuses are going to look like into the future. So all of this work um, is, is well underway. And, um, and I think that the university is, is well positioned to take the next steps uh, to resetting, um, you know, our teaching and learning and, um, and, and our strategic refresh. And so our, our strategic refresh still captures that essence of community engagement um, and um, the importance of working in partnership with local business and industry to deliver for our communities, because it's all about working together to ensure that our communities prosper. So really a big focus on what we're going to do with our people um, and how we will support and develop them and what kind of culture we want to create for the future. So that's got a renewed focus. Um, opportunity is a big part of the, um, is, is a pillar of our strategic refresh because we want to support more and more people from our regions um, to achieve their ambitions through education. So it's, a, it's a, an affirmation of, of that purpose of the university. 
And, and along with that goes another pillar around employability, whether it's making or taking jobs, um, we do want to, to continue to support our, our people to, uh, to work and contribute and innovate in, in local in the local communities, but also more broadly, you know, um, in, a, in a global sense, we want to create global citizens that can, can actually operate outside of the communities. And then finally, um, you know, research, uh, which is a, a fundamental purpose of a, of a university, be it a regional or, or, or a city-based university. Um, making sure that our research is applied and makes a difference to our communities, but also has that, um, that, that global relevance too. So, you know, looking at how we um, um, focus in on fewer areas, because as a, as a regional university, we simply do not have the resources to do everything. So becoming much more focused on research areas that have clear connection to our regions and to their prosperity and solving problems that have relevance um, locally is, is, is a critical part of our refresh. Fascinating, Helen. Thanks for sharing so much detail about where you're up with the strategy. It sounds an exciting time to be at the University of the Sunshine Coast. I, I wonder if I can just um, sort of dig into some of those bits in a bit more detail. You, you talked a lot about your people and culture. A recent episode of HEDEX had Theo Farrell, the Deputy Vice-Chancellor of Education at Wollongong, on with us, sharing the stories of uh, an award that they received from the Australian Financial Review last year for the way that they engaged with their staff in trying to, build, to rebuild the student experience through the episodes of 2020. Can you tell us any more about what specifically you, your strategy will drive you to do and the place that it plays? for enhancing both staff and student experiences at, the, at Sunshine Coast University? Well, of course, there's, there's two angles uh, to it. The first is our staff. And, um, you know, we're, we're very, very focused on um, achieving um, a diverse and a high-performing workforce. And, um, and, and that means that, of course, you know, on the one hand, we have to nurture and support uh, existing staff to, um, you know, uh, be as productive and, and uh, as they can be and, and achieve what, what they, they're looking to achieve um, in, in, a, in the university. Um, but we also um, need to think about that constant renewal as well. So attracting new people into the workforce. And, and I think this, this has to have a focus on achieving greater diversity, um, uh, both culturally and from a gender perspective and an age perspective. So those are things that are going to be much more consciously um, uh, present in, in our, our recruitment strategies going forward. And, and the second side of it is, um, is of course our students um, because you know they, they are a critical part of um, of the university community and how we um, uh, engage with and support our students is vitally important to the kind of graduates uh, that we produce and, and we want to make sure that we produce graduates that have all the attributes um, that are going to be uh, relevant in, in the 21st century and um, 
supporting students has always been very much part of the, the culture in, in our organization. So we want to make sure that that continues. And, and the face-to-face -face part of that on campus um, is, is what this university is very good at. So while we um, have increased the digital component of, of our teaching and learning, um, how we now manage students operating in, in more of a blended sort of um, model is, is going to be very important. I mean, and, that, and we want to make sure that doesn't change the culture and, and the students' experience. So th those are two sides of the, um, the efforts that we're, we're focusing on in, in people and culture. We're using the culture word quite a lot in this conversation, which is a pleasant surprise to me. It's um, something that sometimes we seem to shy away from. I wonder if you can help us understand what you think the culture was that you inherited when you arrived at the university and what, if anything, you need to do to ensure it aligns with where you're looking to now take the university. So um, I was very conscious when I arrived, I quickly discovered that um, the community here is, um, is an extremely dedicated, um, committed and, and caring workforce. Um, as I've mentioned, very focused on, on the students and, and the student experience. And that's fantastic to see. Uh, and also um, a workforce that is passionate about the region. It hard, it's hard not to be, um, but, but, but our workforce is also very engaged with the region um, in every location um, that we operate. So um, that's, that gives you a head start when you've got that passion and that commitment and that engagement and that focus on students with students at the centre. Um, but, but moving forward, of course, we have a major reset going on. So patterns of the past, which perhaps have become comfortable, are being have already been disrupted. So really, staff are already on a new journey, a journey of discovery, a journey in which they are finding that they can do things that they had never imagined they could do. You know, and uh, it it is amazing what um, staff have achieved throughout the last year. So I think the change is already happening. And, and you know, that I'm not sensing a resistance to that. I think in, in a sense, COVID has um, done us all a favor in, in making us reevaluate what we do and that, you know, those longstanding traditions in how universities work and deliver their education. I think that's all been turned upside down. And so it's, it's sort of helping the culture change that is needed to transform a university. And I, I, don't, I don't think there's a great resistance to it. I think, you know, there will always be people that are not comfortable with change, but for the majority of people, they, I think, are opening up to it and, and welcoming it. And because they can see that it's a learning journey for them and, and actually helps their development too, uh, particularly academics who like to be challenged and, and need to um, always refresh um, their careers. And then for the professionals, it's given them, I think, um, a highlighted importance in the institution. You know, 
never before has such a spotlight been shone on our IT department or our HR department or our finance department, who were all intimately involved in um, that crisis period, you know, as COVID started to unfold, unfold and uh, they had to get on board and work more than perhaps they'd ever done before collaboratively. So it certainly helped, I think, to break down the boundaries between departments and between the academy. So this is a massive culture change already taking place. When you describe the, that transition in your staff, your eyes light up and your and your voice lifts with passion about your people and what they've done already and where it seems to to lead to you thinking you can take them. It, it, it makes me remember a good friend of mine, Colin Jensen, who you may know as the CEO of Brisbane City Council, stepped into his role something like three days before the, the Brisbane floods of 2010 and found that he learned so much about his staff and his organisation in the next six weeks that would normally take him a year to, to learn. Sounds like you've learned an awful lot about the capabilities of your staff and the culture of your people in the six to eight months since you've been in the role. To what extent is that leading you to feel that you can be radical or bold in where you might take USC in the next step of its journey? Well, I think it certainly um, sets um, a path ahead which is full of opportunity for us because uh, we, we have more confident people, we have huge capabilities, we're, a gr we're on a growth trajectory, um, the, the tentative title, by the way, of our, um, of our strategy is rising with our regions. Hmm. And, and I think this is, this is what it's all about. Um, as our regions grow, we've seen this huge population growth coming um, into Southeast Queensland, um, enormous talent as well coming, coming in. And, and that's, um, that, that's a, an incredible um, mix of, uh, of capability, I think, that the, the coast has now on offer to um, take on some, you know, big, um, big new challenges. So, you know, the, the, um, a lot of the infrastructure is there. A lot of the partnerships are already being formed or have been formed. Um, and now, you know, I think the next powerful sort of stage is to bring some of the, um, the leaders together across our communities to really work on what, what it is we can do together to, to make the, the difference um, to how our societies work and, um, and prosper. You're, you're, you're talking there about a lot of the things that um, have been, I, I've, I've found that we've encountered in recent episodes of HeadX with other leaders of regional universities. And you've been very much the champion of the regional universities in your current role, your former role, and your, your leader of the regional universities network. I, 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 I've posed a question to, to some of your colleagues about whether the sort of changes to the regions that we're seeing during and post-COVID, together with the parallel moves to more digital disruption that might also imply globalization. Is there a tension between those two things? And, and, and will we see a permanent rise in the regional university, to, to pinch some of your phrasing, and imply it more broadly? Or, or, or do you see that that's 
passion that your staff have for the region, but their recently acquired confidence and skills and the technology, that that will need to be blended in some way? Look, I think, um, I think that, um, I think this stickiness um, in the regions that we're starting to see because more because of, uh, as a result of, of COVID will, um, will persist. Um, and I think that we will see an, a, an attraction of, of talents that will help us to um, take that uh, the, what we've learned from this, this digital transformation that we're, we're all involved in at the moment, but blend it with, um, you know, with, with what is so precious about living and working in regional Australia. Um, you know, we're not going to see, I mean, what would be the point of having um, a university that was fully online uh, in sitting in the middle of a regional community, unless that uh, campus was a, um, a resource to the community in, in many different ways. And of course, there are regional universities that are more online than us, but their campuses also uh, act as resources within those communities. So I think the, the, the sort of the great opportunity for the future is blending those two um, making the most of what COVID has, um, has produced in terms of that, um, uh, that move away from, from the cities for many people um, in, in an appreciation of perhaps a different lifestyle, a safer um, lifestyle and, and one where they, can, where they they can work remotely and live more cheaply. Um, I think I think some of that will stick. So, so as someone that's been so involved in policy before coming to this job, who's come into the job in the middle of a pandemic and seen something as, as great as a potential Olympics on, in your backyard on the horizon, you're, you're observing and describing a, a transformation in your workforce and some of their thinking and, and in technology that perhaps is leading to different missions. Are, are, you, are you saying that USC might follow some different business models coming out of this period of change? Um, look, um, I think, you know, our business model is already changing. Um, we are, you know, all universities are having to become much more business-like, obviously, um, with, you know, um, much more considered uh, thinking around you know, how we spend public money. At the end of the day, we are public institutions, um, but we are being required to operate uh, using more, uh, more of a business model. So acting more uh, leanly in, in terms of how, how we operate is, is already in place. Um, I think in terms of other, um, other changes to the business model, um, it will be uh, related to the kinds of infrastructure that we um, might want to develop in the future. Certainly we're, you know, reimagining um, our existing teaching and learning infrastructure and, and will not be building anything um, the same anymore. Our campuses are going to be become much more permeable into the future. I see more opportunities to co-locate um, business and industry and community um, activities on our campus and that will help 
the business model too in ways that perhaps you know haven't been uh, explored before so that those are the sorts of things that will change a lot I think down the track but what what won't change is that community connection and that community engagement well for being so open with us today on HEDEX, Helen, and sharing so much insights into the next phase of your university's developments, we wish you well in rising with your region, and, and thank you very much for joining us on HEDEX. You're most welcome. So, Martin, what do you think? Yeah, well, look, that's a, a really interesting interview and a really good insight into another strategy at another one of our universities. I mean, Rising with the Regions has got a really catchy title to it, hasn't it? And it's um, very much reflective of what Helen's um, seeking to do at the University of the Sunshine Coast. I mean, my, my, my overall view, it's another strategy that has culture at its heart. Um, and my goodness, I don't know how much interest there is in searching around universities and in leadership um, subjects generally at the moment, but culture is really having its day. And for Helen to reflect on staff being on journeys of discovery and insights that I think were, were suggesting that academic work might have changed forever and that professional work in, in universities is in a new limelight, I thought it was a, a, a fascinating insight into another quite different strategy that, as, as I said, has culture at its heart. Well, to answer your question, there, there's an enormous amount of interest in culture and leadership at the moment. So I've come out of a, a background which is a sort of an unusual combination of brand reputation and marketing in big advertising agencies in New York coupled with um, people and culture, you know, working with Rogan uh, 20 years ago and then working in culture for the last 20 years, usually as part of a broader transformation job. So um, the, I don't know, so Christmas went past, New Year happened, and then all of a sudden our phones started ringing off the, the dial, but particularly around culture transformation and building more resilient cultures, more innovative cultures. How do we build more cultures of progress? How do we build a culture that actually speaks to the needs of people now that they work at home and they work, come in for collaboration? They don't necessarily come in for task work anymore. So the business world is alight with interest in um changing their culture and shifting their culture so much so that we actually stood up a, a new business as part of the Brand Institute called Culture Garden that we've been working on for 18 months. And this was definitely the right time to launch that. Um, and that's specifically around shaping culture to, that will drive your strategy, but in a sustainable way, taking into consideration things like psychological safety and, and workplace health. So when I hear leaders in sector, out of sector, talk about um, a culture-dependent strategy, uh, without being disparaging in any way, the maturity of the concept of culture and the understanding of what culture means in Australian business is not typically where it needs to be. So I often spend most of my time talking about really what culture is, what it isn't, what are the levers and how do you make an actual shift and shape of culture. The statistics are in. You know, 90% of culture programs actually fail. And we know exactly why that's the case. So when I get a, a bank or a tech company or an insurance firm or a telco or a university coming in to say, look, we need to shift our culture, we've got a long list of things that will lead to failure and a very short list of things that lead to success. Well, it's great to be um, in a situation where you have all that experience of doing that really critically important work in other sectors, because I'm so excited with us starting to, under a HEDEX banner, now apply that that experience to what we know about the sector in all of the interest there is in culture in higher education. And I mean, just, just turning back to, to Helen's interview, 
I think this is the latest in a number of examples we've now now had of regional universities that have a great opportunity to serve local needs through partnerships. But um, as Helen observes, that's going to need new leadership capability, new skills in their people, and as much as anything, a new culture that's based upon that ability to have relationships. Where, whereas as we were talking about Mark Scott and, and Sydney University before the interview itself, there's perhaps a different focus there on relationships still, but research powerhouses will re remain and being able to compete on a global stage with disruption What's the common features of that? That will need very much different leadership than we've had in the past. That will need new skills and innovation. And that will need a very different culture in our universities in the future. So I think you're, you're on the money there, Carl, that, that that trend that's happening in business generally is inevitably starting to happen in higher education and is a key feature of the disruption coursing through the sector right now. Now, let me ask you these questions. So... You know, when we worked together on repositioning Griffith University, it's something like five years ago or something like that, whatever it was, one of the things that we found through our research together was that um, students and parents, but particularly that subset or that segment, were choosing universities that were close to home. Like there's a quality con consideration as a genre of university, whether it be Samson or Tech or whatever it might be. But how close it was to home was a contributing factor. Now, with the, with the population growth that's forecast to be a 54% um, influx or migration from interstate and overseas and a 24% population growth over the next 10 years in the Sunshine Coast, do you think Helen's set up for scale? That's, where I'm, that's what I'm interested in. Let's, if she's got a, um, a, culture, a strategy in place and a, a program that's quite culture dependent, scale's the next thing. You know, it's one thing for typically for us to have worked with you know, a thousand person tech company, but translate that into 55,000 people in a bank. And it's an entirely different proposition in terms of the operating rhythm and the way that it actually takes place. Yeah, well, I think she, she gave every indication in the interview about how her campuses will remain critical to how the university strategy will play out in the future, even though an increased investment in digital infrastructure to change the experiences on those campuses and, and that complements those campuses will, will be key. I mean, University of Sunshine Coast is quite interesting in that it's been acquiring new campuses and spreading its geographical footprint, its new Petrie campus in Moreton Bay and other and other moves from a, a home in Sippy Downs to, to towards the south into the north of Brisbane has certainly been um, evidence of the whole corridor from Brisbane to, to the Sunshine Coast being within their strategic um, targets. So I think there is an attempt to try and build scale, um, but there's also going to be a very deliberate attempt to try and make sure that there's a, a strong culture that sees those partnerships with local need and the journey of discovery of the academic workforce working in partnership with the professional workforce is is the the flavor that that helen's going to be looking to build to bring to um that new strategy at the university of the sunshine coast well i'm personally really excited about it i know that um it's not one of the bigger universities in terms of the australian landscape but if you think about activity and action and potential in that area there's a new, there's a new airport. I think you mentioned the Olympics. The population growth is enormous. Everyone finally have woken up and realised that it's probably the best place in Australia to live, um, which means the requirements and responsibility and opportunity for Helen and her team um, to capitalise on that. It, it's got to be one of the more action-focused universities in the country. Yeah, well, I think... Um, I, I, I don't know if you find this in business, but some of the, be the best opportunities for leadership, for academic work, but also for the sort of work that, that we're doing in HEDEX and to be able to make a difference in 
And, you know, we, we go by that line of changing higher education for goods. Well, there's change happening in the sector as a whole, but it's the, it's the more dynamic institutions that have the more dynamic context that you see some of that change play out most quickly and with greatest effect. And I'm pretty sure that University of the Sunshine Coast is going to be towards the top of the more dynamic situations we're seeing in Australian universities in the next five years. Absolutely. And that's all we have time for on this episode of HeadX. Until next week. Thanks, Martin. Thanks, Carl.